Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans-inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. Brand new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to turn it all around again. It's a new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to start over again. When the sunrise, you can You can make it better than yesterday. A new day, it's a new day. New day, there's a way. You can turn it around. Trust me, there's a way out. There's more time. Just don't give up. When the sunrise, you can You can hashtag Marsha's Plate. You can follow us on most social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Just search for Marsha's Plate, M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Y'all ready? Let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey. What is the tea, honey? The tea is hot and sweet, baby. <laughs> so, I just yeah. came back from New York and New York City Pride. Yes. <laughs> and I bet it was I, over. Oh, it was over, over, over. The weather was great. I got to accomplish some things that I've never accomplished. I got mm. to kiki with some people. Um, it just was, It just was a great time. It just was a perfect time to... Um, perfect way to kind of round out the end of Pride season. Yeah, mine's been pretty mellow. I didn't really do too much this year for Pride. It's actually the first year I really haven't done too much. Um, they had the parade this weekend out here, and uh, but it also was a heat wave. So, you know, you know, many praises to the people that went out in the heat wave. I was at home <laughs> trying to stay cool. So. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty mellow, but cool to see everybody else doing the jam thing. I didn't celebrate um, Pride at a Pride Festival, which I, I really wanted to, but um, I didn't do that this year. Z actually did, and it sounded like he had a really good time. It, he said that it was um, a lot of hetero people there, like, um, mm. like, well, of course, there were, you know, like when they have like the different booths where people are trying to like, you know, like vendor and stuff. The, mm-hmm. There there were het- heterosexual people there. But then there were also like a lot of families with their children at Pride. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> Just given the environment. Um, so I, I think that I think that he had a good time. He was kind of mm-hmm. nervous at one point because of the crowds and stuff, you know, what's been happening lately with like the lar- like the mass shootings and stuff. But he said yeah. they had a lot of um, police there that were doing a little one, two. Like um, they, he, he said that the um, like, you know how they have like the hecklers there that are screaming um, oh, yeah. anti 
Oh, yeah, the signs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they um he said that there was like they they weren't there, but there was like one African guy there was telling people that they were gonna go to hell and like the police officer made him stop and leave. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well that's that's new and and then that was the end of that. So it seemed like it was it was pretty cool, but I've been, I've just been enjoying like all the pride stuff I've been seeing everywhere. Like it, I was in Dallas and it was beautiful to see. In New York, look, New York looked like it was sickening. I was looking oh, yeah. out on social media. Yeah, that was yeah. Cool. It was really really amazing. One of I was I was mm-hmm. um I was there to. Um, host the Okra Fest. Um, executive director of the Okra Project is Dominique Morgan, and she threw the inaugural Okra Fest this week. And it's just oh, a, wow. a bunch of events that, um, you know, just just as a that their organization does that is kind of promote just trans and community and stuff like that. She was actually one of the grand marshals of Pride this year. Her T.S. Madison, Chase Strangio. Um, and there's a host of other people, but those are three that I actually knew. And it just was a, I went to the rally, was hosted by Raquel Willis, um, saw um, uh, Marquise Wilson, one of the speakers. Um, it just was so many just wow. powerhouse trans people there. And it was, it just was a beautiful. And then just kind of fellowship with um, other trans people in a, you know, just a positive way and to be there to support Dominique and T.S. Madison and all of those things. It just was, it just was a beautiful, um, just a beautiful thing. I got another, I, I could have saved this part for euphoria, but I could have, but I have another euphoria because that was more emotional. Um, but it just was a beautiful, just a beautiful moment. It just was a lot of beautiful moments and to see just queer people just kind of running around every part of town with either, yeah. you know, the the rainbow clothes on or just them just being queer, just <laughs> tipping around and talking about pride. And 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 what was hilarious is the straight people who were kind of I don't know, they were like intentionally saying pro pride stuff like it was weird so for example Mia Aria was walking down the street and this lady was on her phone and she was talking to somebody on the phone and we can tell that the conversation was for us to hear oh, okay. like you you know how people you can tell people is talking but it's for you to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so she's on the phone. She says, yeah, girl. Um, uh-huh. I came down here to the Pride Parade. And they said, and and he told me, like, why I need to come down to Pride Parade. And I told him, why can't I come down to the Pride Parade? Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Ain't okay. nothing wrong with that. Okay. I, lo- I love gay people. I love it. So it and it shouldn't be no problem with nobody because that's that's they they didn't got nothing to do with us. Period, Pooh. And while that's so cute, like yes, preach, preach it. But we can tell that <laughs> we can tell that this is just a performative thing, it's a little extra <laughs> to show <laughs> to, for us to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't say nothing. We thought it was cute, but when we walked past, we laughed like, "Girl, 
Who was she performing for? (laughs) (laughs) But it was cute. And we just kept seeing stuff like that where people were saying things of that nature every Mm -hmm. time people walked past. Like they were extra allies. Just extra allies. And I was like, oh, this is so cute. (laughs) I didn't go to the actual parade. I went to like the event stuff like that where, you know, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'm not going to no parade. First of all, like Mia just said, there's these, you know, there's this is a moment of mass shootings. They play in a lot of games. Right. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I really, really like this. So that's one apprehension. But also a plus size woman in the hot sun walking for many blocks. Baby. That just doesn't sound like it's pleasurable to me. <laughs> that could be to somebody else. That could be bomb to somebody yeah. else, more power to them. That mm-hmm. don't sound like a good time for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, if, I'm sit- if I'm sitting on the float waving, all that, you know, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, sitting on the but side, walking for miles, yeah, in the hot. Sitting in on the, the sideline with a with bunch of sweaty ass people, and it was a lot of, um, how can I say, in the bigger cities, there's this thing that's happening. And y'all tell me if y'all experienced this. I haven't experienced mm-hmm. in we in the South, so we kind of in a bubble sometimes. <laughs> but I'm yeah. pretty sure that you, LJ, you have experienced <laughs> this because you in Seattle. I bet you this is the originating city of this. <laughs> but there is, there is some kind of movement happening where it's like a scent-free movement. Oh yeah, where dude, people where you can if you in certain workplaces Ooh. you can't wear um perfumes, deodorants, or things with oh, sure. on them. Sure, 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 sure. And so that hasn't got to the south with us, Mia. We like, like you know, we like to smell good, but there, <laughs> there is um, <laughs> there is just there's in. But you should still wear. I've seen it something. happen in San Francisco. I've seen it happen in. No, um, it's here. I've experienced it here. <laughs> I've experienced scent free. Scent free don't mean you can't wear the like they make unscented deodorant. Yes. So they and, but do, they, they get mad at you. Deodorant. They get mad at you when you wear a scent in these places. Oh, when it's yeah. when it's scent free. Yes. Yeah. Like if yeah. you wear a scent, it's like, like it can be something. against policy to wear yeah. a scent. Yeah, because it can trigger people. Oh, you know, whatever that's allergies or what have you. Depending on where you work, absolutely. Oh, that is a thing. That is yes. a thing. That and is so, a thing. Yeah. And so... Well, then, you, then you should take your allergy medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and my thing is, I look, <laughs> don't tell me what I need to put on my body. <laughs> I like to smell good. Any If anybody has ever met me in person, I smell motherfucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I I yeah. smell good, and I like it's something about smelling good that make that gives me pleasure for myself and for other people. I have various scents that I like to wear, and I don't think I wear enough to be obnoxious. Where it's just oh my god, everywhere, blah 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 blah. I I just like I like the idea of smelling good. So when I bathe, I put on my oils. When I that, that have a scent on them that that's gonna complement whatever scent that I'm gonna wear for the day. I I I just like fucking smelling good. It's just something about me that I that's a, a pride of mine. 
<laughs> and so when you see me and you come around me, you're going to smell a scent. You're going to smell something that smells good, something that I have concocted together, multiple scents, and it's not going to be strong enough to, it's not annoyingly overpowerful, but you're going to smell me when you come close to me. You're not going to smell me when I leave, leave a room like that. I don't like it where it's so strong, but you're going to smell me. And so I like to smell good. When I hear people talk about scent free, I'm like, oh no, that ain't got to where I'm from. I ain't never been to work in no place where you can't smell good <laughs> or you or you gotta be unscented. I just never worked at a place like that. And so I'm glad it hasn't got down here yet. And so, but I hear that. And so when you go to certain particular bigger cities, <laughs> that is happening. And so while I was in New York, <laughs> sorry, I'm glad, that, I'm glad it hasn't made its way down here yet. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, when I was yeah, in New York, awesome. I was meeting a lot of scent free people. Yeah. And a lot of times, scent free people. They ain't sent free for real. <laughs> exactly. Right. That part. That part. You do have a sense. You get to, when you get to sweating and you get to and that those motherfucking um bacteria get to eating at that sweat, baby. That sent free <laughs> shit is gone. <laughs> you smell like something and it's not good. Right, right. <laughs> it ain't you ain't sent free no more. And so a lot of times <laughs> the motherfuckers be. Sent full. <laughs> you gonna say you funky, but you sent full. My you nigga. said you sent full. I love that. You and do so smell like something, right? Yes. That's the point, so, girl. You, you still smell like something. There is a scent. So you run around Yikes. walking next to me. You tipping <laughs> next to me in the hot sun at the parade. You is smelling like something, baby. You was nice and free, yeah, and I you smelled, have a I, I smelled a lot of people. <laughs> As I tipped around the city, and I was like, "No, <laughs> that is." Not gonna that be. is, I, Diamond. I one hundred percent agree that that is definitely more of a coastal thing, mm -hmm. and or college town kind of. Yes, you know, because like that's some new age shit. Yeah, in the Midwest, like in Milwaukee, it ain't like that. In Madison, yes, because Madison's a college town. <laughs> so, but in the regular city part, that's the city. No, you can't just be out here because scented with scent, scent with sinful as you as you. Yeah, that's <laughs> sinful. I like that's that. fear. That's fear. <laughs> because you, because you, you may not be. They may not enforce laws to be unsinful in the South, but you <laughs> definitely can get kicked out for being funky. Oh, <laughs> right, uh, right. <laughs> Listen, we sending you yes. home. Yes, uh, with a letter is, and a note. Listen, and that, that, that direct connection to down south. And I no shade, but I, of course, I think it's a part of um, one of those historical things that um, I don't think is disconnected from the idea, the stereotype that um, black people are unclean, or you know, we police mm -hmm. motherfuckers cleanliness that's why you you meet a mm -hmm. lot of the older people who are really really strict about their cleanliness of their house listen the baby powder the baby powder all right? the stuff we talked the about that before right here in the crevice <laughs> yeah yeah we talked about that yeah. before I, th uh, I do i think it's a it's a reflection of that absolutely mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i don't think that that's a bad thing uh, for me and so uh you know of course uh, in my culture where i grew up Honey, they police sense. You need to, you need to, your body parts need to smell good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
You need that, to be fresh. Diamond, to your point, that's not even just like on some like dealing with uh, white folks and their stereotypes and stuff too. A lot of that too just goes back to what we retain from before we even got here around cleanliness, around, mm-hmm. you know, we have indigeneity as well uh, mm-hmm. back home. We're not just of this mm-hmm. ilk of here. Right. And being influenced Amen. by these white folks, we retained a lot of stuff. And I think, you know, some of our values, some of our, you know, our ways of knowing, that's why we extra clean. It ain't just from getting crappy food or getting crappy stuff. It's like some of that is just a part of stuff we were able to retain. Right. As, as you, know, right. A, you know, back in the slavery days, they're, they're, they used to punish, well, one of their forms of punishment to slaves was to like, a pro- prohibit them from bathing mm. like that it, i think there's so much history with sin so mm. I, but then i also think about like the 60s and the 70s era where you know everybody wanted to be free and you know so i don't know it, it's, it's very interesting the way everything is changing yeah and it was definitely a luxury to own like perfumes a luxury to you know have those smell goods too mm. so you know i think that that is some you know it, it it's to me i know my mom and my grandmother and my great grandmother it smelling good was a part of our pride and and a part yeah. of having good scent stuff and you know expensive perfumes and on your counter on your vanity that just was you know that was a part of your hygiene and not necessarily your femininity because it was it was also put on the boys too to have colognes Mm. smell good things like that so um you know that's why in in my household the whole boys aren't clean thing that never was um a thing you're gonna say boys not taking a bath and boys not being clean or running around being dirty that was not boys in my family. Yeah. Honey, it was an emphasis on being clean and bathe and all that kind of stuff on the boys as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. But yes, I didn't want to walk around no parade, hot and sweaty <laughs> with the unscented people, because that's yeah. what I was I was <laughs> yeah. And so I did not go to the parade, but I did go to some events. I want to shout out to um, Nehemiah, who invited me to a house party that was so fun. One of our listeners that was so fun. Yes. And um, the what is his name? I think his name is Griot Maya, Griot Maya. Griot Maya. I'll put this link in the, in the show notes, but he invited yeah. me to a house party in Brooklyn. It was so fucking fire. It was like 10 people in there and a DJ and everybody was up dancing. It wasn't nobody sitting, sitting around being weird, not, not doing nothing. <laughs> it yeah. was just, everybody was just up dancing and having fun and partying. And it just was a blast. It was a perfect night um, on Saturday. And we went, I went, by myself because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know nobody there except for him, but it was fire. And so yeah. party to like two o'clock in the morning and then went back to my hotel and went to sleep. <laughs> hey, that sounds oh, delightful. Right. Yeah. So New York don't owe me nothing. Hashtag Marcia's Play and let us know how you have enjoyed this Pride 2022. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. Hashtag Marcia's Play. La, 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 la,
Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. As you all know, uh, Roe Wade was overtime this week, even though that's not really what that case should have done. It kind of went beyond <laughs> what the case was saying. Um, but uh, also, in the opinion, there were a couple other pieces that came out that was, you know, I think we, we talked about them on the show, how this could lead to some other things being overturned. Um, but I wanted to highlight a couple things from uh, an article I saw that was highlighting some of the impact that this would have on LGBTQ folks. And, um, you know, so not only did they overturn Roe v. Wade, um, Clarence Thomas in his writing also said that, uh, that this, you know, leaves it open to overturning other potential uh, cases uh substantive due process precedents as he said uh which include uh the right to obtain contraception and that's the griswold versus connecticut case the right for same-sex intimacy that's the lawrence v texas case and the right to same-sex marriage which is uh Obergefell versus hodges uh he wrote we should reconsider all of this court substantive substantive due process precedents uh he called those opinions demonstrably demonstrably erroneous i want to add an extra syllable uh and called on his fellow jurists to quote correct the error establishing them so they definitely have a target on those three cases um but i also wanted to highlight uh in this article they highlighted uh some of the statistics around abortion when it comes to lesbians, bisexuals, and uh, AFAB trans people. Um, And what they said was lesbians, 22.8% of bisexual women, excuse me, 22.8% of lesbians and 27.2% of bisexual women who have been pregnant are more likely than heterosexual women. Their rate is 15.4% to have had an abortion, according to uh, the Human Rights Campaign analysis from the 2017 to 2019 survey for family growth. Um, due to issues including abortion access barriers and healthcare mistreatment, over one third of transgender people who have been pregnant consider terminating the pregnancy on their own by themselves. And nearly one in 10 of them have gone through with the oh, attempt. Wow. 
that is uh wow yeah according that this is, is to a this is to a 2019 report published in the journal uh bmj sexual and reproductive health before i go forward with some of this other stuff like i just want to just name a couple things one like yo like that's a yeah that's an intense stat i think it kind of speaks to diamond you talked you mentioned it when we talked about how the differences in terms of the challenges that trans men face and also being socialized to not speak up about them there's a lot of stigma around that because that's some stigma you already get if you survive black girlhood <laughs> so and what you're socialized to and how folks we don't these issues aren't very public uh i guess it's, uh, speaking to your point um personally i will say i've definitely had multiple situations in my life where i thought i may need an abortion uh even after i transitioned after being you know dealing with a sexual assault sexual violence situation in which i was targeted purposefully because i'm a, a trans masculine per person um and seeking services afterwards was very uh complicated going to go have to get a rape kit uh the impact on my body hormonally from having to take uh emergency contraception was very intense uh i had to go back to the hospital for further care um by the suggestion of my pharmacist because what people don't understand is like no matter who you are some of the side effects from taking plan b or ella which is considered more effective than plan b plan b is a specific medication even though people use it as a catch-all for emergency contraception. And it's, it's not like, good for people who are fat. There's two, there's two, yeah. So there's two things. Yeah, plan B or Ella. Ella is more effective overall than plan B. It's better for anybody that weighs more than 165 pounds. Right. And uh again, it's more effective than plan B. Um, and so uh when i had to go do the rape kit and deal with the same nurse or sexual assault nurse examiner um usually if you have a if you have a sexual assault situation or rape the hospital each region has a same nurse they'll have them call and have that person come it's not somebody that works at the hospital um but you know i have to deal with pet post-exposure prophylaxis and also the emergency contraception um and you know, there were a lot of side effects, including phantom pregnancy symptoms, which brought on a lot of dysphoria, feeling like my body is pregnant, waddling, having all kinds of symptoms of pregnancy and not being pregnant. Um, you know, it's a lot of stuff that comes with it. And my point is with that is, but you too, I'm sure know, um, you know, taking plan B, having an abortion, all those things are very harsh on your body. It's not like you just <laughs> take the medication or have a procedure and you're fine the next day. Right. It is, it is, it can be, um, it's not, it's not a simple thing as these people who are out here like, oh, you don't need abortion. You don't need that. You don't need, you don't need contract. Like, even when you go through that procedure and these processes, it's not necessarily, that's not even, that's not an easy decision to make. And it's not easy on you physically or mentally or emotionally to have to navigate that. Um, and I could talk more about that at a different time about that experience. And navigating like i didn't get pep right away i had to call back and be like hey y'all forgot to give me this thing with a 72-hour window um and uh anyway but um thank you for sharing that yeah i mean it was it, it was it was a lot i mean when i went back to the hospital for care i had to say hey the pharmacist told me to come because i'm having really horrible side effects i'm like in a fetal position 
in the hospital bed with my friend and the the uh, uh the physician assistant comes in the pa and says so looks at my chart and goes oh so what are you here for i go well i was raped last week saturday <laughs> i'm here the following saturday because i'm having all these side effects i take testosterone for hrt and was given emergency time and this is what happened oh so you're on birth control and testosterone no <laughs> no i said i take hrt and then i had a rape and had to go see a sexual assault nurse examiner do a rape kit where i was given emergency contraception and my body is having a a, a, a more harsh reaction to it because i take testosterone right. and so um going back to what i said about that women's studies class 103 if I had not taken that class, I wouldn't have had the same kind of agency in that situation to know what's going on with my body. Most cis women don't know, most trans men, trans masculine folks, most AFAB people don't know shit, don't know how to use the calendar to count when you're gonna ovulate, don't know how to draw no charts, don't know shit. And that is important information for you as an AFAB person who hasn't had a hysterectomy to have agency over your body and over your life to know what's going on. Um, but uh, when I went back, he's going back and forth with me and he goes, oh, okay, sir, I guess I get it. But if you're gonna be aggressive, I'm gonna call security because now I'm a man, right? And now I'm a black man who's in a fetal position, cramping, right? I'm gonna call security and have you escorted out of here, sir, if you're gonna be aggressive, sir. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm done working with you, homie. Oh no, you got to wait. I don't give a fuck. I'll wait hours, but I'm not working with you. So I have my friend go out. They had somebody come in within 10 minutes. They apologize. Cool. But then I couldn't get my levels checked right away. So then I went for several months without having my hormone levels checked after getting a bomb that's throwing everything off. And we kept taking my prescription of my HRT, kept trying to get my levels checked. It was a whole red tape thing. So by the time I get my levels checked, I, I've been like detransitioning, like my T levels were going down and my level was like 200 or something really low. That was not even therapeutic. Again, why it's important to know about testosterone levels and what's considered therapeutic and what's considered a range, even though you take different doses with your, your prescriber, these are important things to know. So you as a person has agency when you're dealing with these healthcare professionals who might screw you the fuck over. Right. And so I had to go to the point where I had to get in patient to a psych unit at the hospital to get my hormone levels checked. So I was kept taking my shot. My I know my body's detransitioning. My skin is changing, going back. And it was just it was horrible. But uh, once I got them checked, it was like, like I said, it was like a 200 level and was able to move forward from there in established care with other people. But I just want to share that because like the shit is real out here and, you know, it's important as much information as you can have around, um, you know, HRT, if you're doing HRT and also just over just like, what is this general reproductive process for AFAT bodies? Like that's really important information uh, because that's how uh, cis men control AFAT bodies. Like they pregnancy and rape, sex, pregnancy is a weapon. Okay, well, you know what I'm saying? That people use on AFAB bodies to try to keep you in place and keep you where you at. Um, and so, you know, yeah, anyway, but that's good information to have so you can have some agency. Um, and also let folks know, I know there's plenty of listeners who have been in similar situations, plenty of trans guys 
who have had abortions and we see you on the show you know we know you out there um i know a lot of folks are kind of having a hard time dealing with this me personally it's been very uh unnerving right this whole situation is very triggering um because that's it's some scary shit. but anyway back to this report um access to contraception could become more difficult because of this ruling too and access to fertility treatments could also be imperiled. Um, and so we know a lot of LGBT people rely on assisted reproduction. Um, so this means that like IVF, you know, uh, in vitro fertilization could be up for grabs at risk, uh, depending on what state you live in. Uh, and a lot of the uh, clinics that do provide abortion also provide a lot of gender affirming care. Uh, so oftentimes, for, depending on where you live, Planned Parenthood might be the only place to get your HRT um for a lot of folks um and so uh we know this will disproportionately impact folks of color who have lower incomes and often have to rely on places like Planned Parenthood <laughs> to get HRT or birth control and those type of things or and exams. that has been a strategy of the right for a very very long time they have put it in the language of some of the legislation to defund Planned Parenthood because exactly. of abortion but the facts of the matter no tax money has ever went to abortion Right. <laughs> they, right. the, the money doesn't money that goes to Planned Parenthood doesn't actually pay for abortions. Exactly. So they're, they're actually it was a kind of like a misleading kind of situation. The, the 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 funding that Planned Parenthood gets is, you know, goes for the thing that we talked about, tons of things outside of abortion. And so for them to do that. It, it was because and they will they have said it from out of their mouth pro-life um activists said it really we were just trying to stop planned parenthood period because we know that they provide most of the majority of the abortions in this country and so whatever we, whatever we could do is say to get them out of business is what we were trying to do whether the tax money went to abortions or not whatever we can say we just they were the demons and we wanted to get them out of business yeah yeah yep and um yeah so yeah more than two dozen states i know we'll get to more into that have have uh could ban or restrict abortions um including 13 states with uh quote-unquote trigger laws that will in theory automatically go into effect now that the court has ruled in 29 states have them around same-sex marriage um what really stood out to me too was like one out you know uh one out of nearly one out of 10 uh, trans people who are AFAB attempted to do provide do abortions on them on themselves on their own. Um, so that could mean a lot of things, whether that's you know, putting concoctions together, where you know, that can mean a lot of things. And that's and that's scary. And that's why abortion access is so important because people are dying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People were dying before they could legally get abortions. People were having botched abortions. Um, people were taking different things that could potentially hurt you, uh, trying to do this on your own. Um, you know, the infant mortality rate is expected to go up through the roof for black women, which is already, we're already, you know, black women and uh, folks who can get pregnant already have, you know, the, some of the highest infant mortality rates is not the most high outside of uh, uh, indigenous folks, First Nations folks uh, in this country. So like, you know, abortion access is important for a lot of different reasons um, when it comes to the overall health and well-being uh, and autonomy of folks who are uh, AFAB and um, 
And really, this is about slavery. Like during slavery, enslavement of black people, plenty of women had abortions. Having control over your body and telling you as a black woman that you have to have this baby so I can make some fucking more money. That's what this shit is. Because essentially, that's what this shit is. That's what this shit is. We want black people, brown people, have your babies and die. And if you don't die, you're going to have so many babies that you can't have them. We're going to put them motherfuckers in the system and keep this slavery going for free with these fucking prisons. That's what this shit's about. And that lady did not fuck up whatever her rep the representative was who said, oh, this is a victory for white life. That's what this shit's about. That's what this shit's about. Um, it was a Freudian slip. <laughs> right, right, right. It's some scary shit. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know really what my question is for this week. It's just like, what are y'all thoughts on, you know, like, the fuck? For me, as a trans person who is not a birthing trans person. I, you know, I do not feel like I should be centered. So I kind of just take my cues from uh, activists who do this work and make sure that I am sharing and supporting them in whatever kind of volunteer way that they meet, need me to support them and using whatever platform I have to make sure that my pro-choice and pro-abortion, pro-reproductive justice rights um, stance is very clear. Um, and use whatever power that I have to make sure that, um, you know, that that is very clear that I'm pro um, people have an agency over their body and being able to have an abortion. Um, one of the things that for my recently, so sometimes because of the disconnect that happens because of the internet, sometimes there's some people in your past that you're connected to only online now and not like in person. Um, and so I had a friend and recently I had went to her page and I kept seeing rest in peace, rest in peace, rest in peace. And I was like, whoa, did, did Rosa pass away? Of course she did. That's why they saying rest in peace. Right. And so I go, I hit up one of my friends and I was my other college buddy. This is somebody I met in college at Jackson State. And um, one of our college friends, I was like, yo, did Rosa pass away? And she was like, yeah, she had a random ass asthma attack. And I was like, damn. And the reason why I bring her up is because she is the first person that I personally had an abortion experience with. <laughs> so when you were telling me your story about, you know, just now when you were just telling us that, I was thinking about how society makes it fucking difficult for people to talk about this, for people mm -hmm. to talk about their experience. For it's not a silence, stigma, and shame It's a, they project onto it. Yeah. Exactly. And so one of the reasons, I wasn't one of her besties. Like, we were cool. Like, we would eat lunch together. You know what I'm saying? We were cool. It, right. it wouldn't be surprised if you saw us kicking it together. So we were cool, but I wasn't her best bud. So... Yeah. When she asked me to actually go with her to get an abortion, I was kind of like, why would you want me? Now, mind you, I'm only 19. And so I don't have the maturity or the understanding totally of the whole situation like I do now. So in my mind, I was like, why would you want me to go with you? This ain't going to do me. <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, why? Why me? Why do you want me? Um why are you not asking, first of all, a person with a vagina <laughs> who understands this more, a person who is involved 
I don't know. It just felt like her 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 cisgender homegirl would have been a better choice to go with her because what does the trans person got? To, you know what I'm saying? What am I what what am I gonna do? I'm not even that close to you, so I didn't understand it. But as somebody who is just a sensitive person, sensitive in the sense that I could tell when she was asking me that this was really, really important for me to do for her. And so I say, cool, you know, I'll go with you. But of course, I'm going to ask questions. And I asked her, I asked her, like, why you didn't get such and such um, tab to go with you or whatever? And she was like, this is the thing about it. She says, anybody else is going to judge me. Yep. Or, <laughs> yep. Anybody else is going to judge me. Anybody else, I can't, I can't tell my mom, I can't tell my family because they're going to be fucking judging me. I can't tell my sister, their homegirls, because they're going to be judging me. The only reason why I feel like you, because of who you are, you're not going to judge me. Now, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple you know, things happening there. Right. The, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, you're the tranny. Of course, you can't judge me. <laughs> right, it's that right. kind of weird stuff. But I, it, it, what it opened my eyes to is the circumstances that she felt that she was in, that she mm-hmm. couldn't talk to anybody about this, except for me, somebody disconnected from her life in a, in a you know, not as connected as other people. But I was like, oh, wow, I totally get it because this there does come a stigma with abortion. There comes a stigma about it, about your promiscuity, about, you know, the the moral, you know, the moral side of, oh, are you killing your baby? And um, oh, my God. And why did you lay down? And then, of course, this is this wasn't a rape situation. She was fucking. (laughs) You had a prerogative to do what the fuck you want with your body and your life. Exactly. And so she this wasn't a rape situation. So she didn't have the excuse of to, you know, to kind of use as kind of this sympathy thing to leverage, yeah. to leverage to the, the stigma. No, I was fucking and I got pregnant. <laughs> and so I don't have that leverage of st- the, to the leverage of a rape or a sexual assault to use as why I'm getting the abortion. It's just I was fucking and I don't and I don't want. I don't want to alter my the, my entire fucking life, life for the rest of my damn life. Right. <laughs> Period. And Period. So, God damn. And hold up. And might you might not even survive having a baby because the infant mortality rate for black women is so fucking high. That. Period. So me sitting there with her was the first time that. I, I was really face to face with it. I had heard conversations as a as a, a child, as a teenager growing up, my mama and her homegirls talking about abortion and you know, these, you know, these kind of topics that you hear people talking about, but you don't really have any connection to because I didn't grow up with a vagina. So it wasn't important for people to talk to me about abortion. <laughs> and because I was a queer boy coming up at the time that I come up, only thing that they were concerned about me with was HIV. (laughs) And so when it comes to sex and sexuality, they were only worried about, oh, you don't need to be gay because you're going to get AIDS. So that was the medical situation that was predominantly thrown in my face. So abortion just was not something that somebody talked to me about. I heard it was it's something that I heard about. I knew the definition. I knew what it was for. But the whole politics and it just never came up. And so this was the first time while I was in college, I was 19, that I had came face to face with the issue with somebody that I was close to. 
And so then as I get older, I start hearing abortion stories from some of my um, sister to girlfriends. Um, I didn't have many in my early, my early twenties. Um, but when I started to be more friendly, um, I, that's also the time that I started to um, meet trans men that would have abortion stories. Like I remember I was, I, I got real close to, I'm still close to, well, he's a friend now. I got real close to it and he, and he, and he decided to disclose that he had to get an abortion because he had got pregnant by his um, trans girlfriend. And, and he just explained how, like, he just didn't want the ex. He just, he was like, he doesn't feel like the circumstances that he was in, that it was a good fit <laughs> to have a baby by this person. And so, and he believed he thought he didn't know that why he was on testosterone that he could get pregnant. Hold and up, so, hold up. Wait, say that one more time. Because even though it's less likely that you get pregnant, you can still get pregnant, and people do still get pregnant if they're taking to wow on testosterone. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so he was like, "Ooh, we about we get our freak on." He not knowing that them eggs are still dropping, yeah. <laughs> regardless of the Damn. testosterone. And he and he got pregnant, and so he had to go through that experience. And he was telling me that experience. So these, it just has gotten, it has become an issue that has gotten closer and closer to, and more and more clear in my understanding. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's it's. it's that's where I am with it. It's like I'm very clear about people's circumstances, very clear about why it's important. But my stance is I think that this is I should, I'm a person who should not be centered in it, but I'm mm-hmm. the person who should be really, really invested in this fight because it is the floodgates to them taking away some of our most important rights, some of our most in, you know, just when it comes to the agency of our body, you cannot. As a black person, the agency of what you can do with your body and yeah, people controlling your body is really, re- as a black American, is really, really important to me. And then you add yeah. the fact that I'm a woman and add the fact that I'm a trans person. The core of my being is invested in having the control of my body. And so yeah. I totally understand why important the why abortion is a cornerstone issue to feminism i've been a support um um person with a lot of my friends well um, a lot of my friends uh family members um who have had abortions and the like you were talking about lj the mental aspect is a huge part of it um especially when you think about like um how people are treating you, then you got the people outside of the clinic that you have to meet before you go inside. And I think uh, I remember a lot of the times the the women that I did support, you know, during their time, they really didn't want to have the abortions, mm-hmm. but they they did it in order to to be able to survive, in order to not be another statistic and saying that i know people will be like you know you could have just gave it up for adoption or and stuff like that but it's like okay where where where's the children gonna go afterwards like why 
why do we not why do we not care about what happens after the child is born? We just care about it getting here. People are 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 thinking about their belief systems and not looking like Diamond said at the bigger picture. You were talking about Thomas and his agenda and how he wants to overturn other mm-hmm. um other things that have been um uh, other rights, right? Like um, gay marriage, contraceptives, birth control. Well, that's the same thing, birth control. And um, uh, gay people being able to have intercourse. Um, but isn't he, ma- and I, I think, I don't know who posted this on Marsha's plate, but I didn't know until then. He's married to a white woman. So if you're going to overturn those, right. make sure you overturn Loving versus Virginia also. Exactly. Make sure you overturn that as well. And and I'm I'm not saying that that should happen. I'm 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 being sarcastic. Yeah, but I feel you. Yeah, it's hypocritical. And let me point out some nuance too to that that I'm seeing, and it's kind of annoying me. Listen here, we can drag Clarence Thomas, and he said what he said about um um you know we need to revisit the other cases. So should Clarence Thomas be dragged? Fuck yeah. But look, white women, <laughs> I need y'all to be dragging Amy Coney Barrett just as hard as you dragging Clarence Thomas or it's looking like right Listen, here. listen, white women, <laughs> white, white, white women, white women should be dragging them fucking themselves, themselves, their fucking selves. Because the majority of white women voted for Donald Trump not once, but twice. And the second time, more white women voted for him knowing already what the fuck it was so you know uh okay we can go all the way back to reagan we can go back to slafley and and how white women have consistently supported the the um the agenda to overturn roles this has been decades in the making this didn't just happen with trump it happened with reagan and and bush they literally were pro-choice candidates that switched over to being pro-life Reagan was pro-choice. He actually it, uh, he actually right. signed into law a really really good pro-choice mm-hmm. <laughs> situation, and then he flipped when he wanted to be president. Same thing with George W. H. Bush when he he was pro-choice, and then he flipped to being pro-life when he wanted to become president. Like you cannot become president without being pro-life because oh, it no, is yeah. a it was an evangel. What is it? Um, the white evangelistic motherfuckers. That they're a big block of your voting constituent, Wait. and so you gotta please them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That. And a quick question, and this may and this may be a little off topic, but who was the white woman um, who recently made the speech saying that? Um, you know, this is this is for white life. Is that who you were ta- referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Congress. Okay. There's a there's a current woman. In, this is a congresswoman who's currently in the United States Congress. Yeah. Said this. And I do think that that was a slip. I do think oh, no, it was she an accidental slip. No, she knew what she was saying. Yeah, she knew what she was it's, saying. I mean, it looked like she was reading from a um a prompt. No, I do. I honestly do. Based on me listening to it, I do think it was a slip, but I think it was a Freudian slip. She, she meant what she said, right? But it was an accident. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, she she applauded. Trump applauded. Everybody else applauded. The, uh-huh. them, them Negroes that's always there for Blacks for Trump was looking at each other kind of confused <laughs> in the background and shit. No, but don't she, be confused now, motherfucker. Right. But, but, but going back to why are we even talking about overtime growth? The whole reason they're switched to even talking about some goddamn let's control people's bodies and, and force women to have nine months of their lives fucked up, regardless if they wanted it or not, and be on bed rest and all this kind of shit and have your body hormonally change and your food change and this shit and all that kind of shit. That's a lot. I don't give a fuck if you want to be pregnant. It's a lot for anybody to be pregnant, period. So to say you got pregnant, you just got to deal with it. Oh, you got pregnant again? You just got to deal with it. Oh, you got pregnant again? You just got to deal with it. Year after year after year after year after year or whatever the fuck it happens, you just got to deal with it. And now your whole life is fucking disrupted. I'm really paying attention how people are responding to this. And what is annoying is, you know, yes, Clarence Thomas should be red. But we 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 got that covered. Uh, black folks got him covered. We're going to read him. We're going to bring up Anita Hill. We're going to we we going we going to do that. But y'all white women, I need y'all to gather. Amy, I don't feel people are talking about her enough, and the and the people and and the guy who um who who got leaked and all that. It's it's not just Clarence. Don't think I know it's some nuance happening, some racist nuance happening. It's not just Clarence. Other people on that court right. <laughs> are conservative, right. and y'all need to be reading them too. And and, and also like black women. A lot of women of color, but in particular black women around reproductive health and choice and all this stuff been saying for a very long time to the white women who won't listen. We cannot put, quote unquote, all the eggs in one basket on this goddamn Supreme Court around privacy. But we have to have other strategies to protect abortion access, including preparing for the shit to fall, including having the network set up, including other strategies. And you know what the white women said? Nope. Because this we can have this issue that centers us and we can be like, well, all the end of this white woman bullshit and da 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 So like when this dropped, there are a lot of black women, a lot of women of color who were just like, yeah, girl, go be out in the streets, but we've been saying this shit for a minute. We've been saying this shit to you. That's was so frustrating to me too, to your point about these white women about this moment because it didn't have to happen. That's what's that's what's so frustrating is that it didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen if Rebecca Ginsburg would have sat down. It didn't have to happen if Obama would have called a special session. It wouldn't have to happen if they were listening for the last twenty something plus fucking years to black women and other women of color saying the strategy to protect abortion access is does not just sit in the goddamn court. That's what's frustrating because folks been pushing back and saying this ain't the, this might fall. And why do black people know it might fall? Because we're black, because we've been here longer than you, because we know what it means for the laws of this country to determine your citizenship or not, determine your control over your body or not. So we looking at states' rights. We know it's states' rights. But LJ, all this bullshit, man. Do you really sucks. think that they're that long? Because do I, I think white women are that long. Like that's what I'm saying. Like. What I'm seeing is like, cause you, cause it's almost like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They know what the fuck they're doing. They don't listen. No, no, they they don't know what they're doing. That's the problem. They have the audacity. No, white women. No, white. I'm talking about white progressive women. White liberal. I ain't even talking about people that's like I hate abortion. I'm talking about white women who be in these circles who did not listen 
to the black women at the table for years who've been saying, yo, this might go down and we need to have a backup and we need other strategies to protect abortion access. They weren't listening to them because you just like with the gay stuff, just like with trans stuff, most of the time the people centered at the big tables are white people, right? Like gay stuff, we talk about gay marriage, we talk about movements around gay folks. It was centered around like white middle class and up gay people. Marriage, love is love. If you're poor, you don't want to get married. You want to keep your benefits, right? So, like, that's I what that I mean. That was, like, that was purposeful, too. That was purposeful, well, yeah. like, because they knew that, yeah. that the white people were going to be able to push it. And push what? The marriage stuff? Mm-hmm. They got more access. People were right, looking right. for. And how, I'm just saying, like, how they're censoring it, they're not they don't know because they're only centering white women and white women that got access to money and jobs and things like that. And if they were centering other people, shit, poor white women, <laughs> women, women of color, if they were, and your, their peers who are also professionals that work on this shit, they just, it just came down to plain old racism and white people not wanting to listen, just like the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party could say, we're going to appeal to our base, which is black people and people of color and poor people and working people, but they'll never say poor people. They'll say middle-class Americans. They'll never say, we want to do something for black people. That's not symbolic. They'll never say it because they still trying to appeal to racist ass white people. They want to hold on to that power and their own mythical narratives that they've made around this like post-World War II America, West Wing, all this other bullshit. And it's not working. <laughs> it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's not working. And we're dealing with the consequences of that shit. The Republicans have spent the last 20 years doing grassroots shit and dismantling the grassroots on the left. So like the student organizing shit I used to be involved in, which was a pipeline to a lot of like progressive type of order, that shit is over. They took out unions. They took out state student associations, which essentially were unions. They took out a lot of shit. And but they use them tactics. So on the left, what became they let them corporate Democrats take over. So on the left, quote unquote, what it means to be involved in shit means I need a master's degree, means I got to work at a nonprofit, means I got to do all this other shit. Meanwhile, they've been taking over the school boards and clerk's offices and all that, all that lower, quote unquote, lower level shit. They've been doing the grassroots. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like they just weren't listening to people who were like, hey, 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 hey. It just came down to racism. That's all I'm saying is that they just wasn't listening to me. Anyway, but I want to highlight real quick. I know I said PEP earlier. That's post-exposure prophylaxis. Um, it's a medication to prevent HIV after a possible exposure. It should only be taken in emergency situations and must be started within 72 hours after a recent possible exposure to HIV. I just want to say that because I know I mentioned it earlier. Uh, and I just want to be clear about what it was. And in that situation, the same nurse or sexual assault nurse examiner. I feel like they need a better acronym for a crisis around <laughs> sexual assault. Um, but uh, she told me about the pet, but didn't give it to me. So I said, well, let me look it up. And then I realized already 24 hours later within a 72 hour window that I didn't get the medication I need that I got about 48 hours left to get. Um, so, you know, having this education is really important just to protect yourselves and shit. But anyway, let us know what you all think. This is a very, uh, you know, this is crazy. It's very intense. Um, and, you know, folks are coming for us and our bodies. And, you know, if they come for contraception, obviously that's going to impact us accessing HRT. 
Um, same thing with abortion. Um, they're coming for marriage. I'm sure y'all know folks who are married, you know, who are concerned about some of their situations. Um, yeah, you know, this is kind of wild. So let us know what y'all think. How are y'all handling this? You know, what are your thoughts? Um, Lawrence v. Texas is wild. Now, you know, if you're having gay sex, they're going to take you to jail. It's kind of wild out here, but uh, hopefully we can fight back. And there's a way to fight back in November. Please go vote and get registered to vote because that's one way to slow this down is by not having these same people who are in control and control after November 2022. Um, so let us know what you think. Hashtag Marshall Split. My topic is trigger bands. I, the, the reason why I chose that topic was because I didn't even know about that. I don't know if you guys knew about that. Oh, well, first of all, I would like to know what you guys, before I go into it, I would like to know what you guys know about your trigger bands. I know that there's trigger, 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 the trigger laws. You talking about the trigger laws? Yes. They go, in, I, I know like Wisconsin, I'm from Wisconsin, so I know Wisconsin has some weird law that's been on the books since for like over 100 years or almost 100 years around abortion that makes it a felony, even though they have other laws that kind of took it out. So potentially, even though the they have a Democratic person as the attorney general, they said, we're not going to put this in place. I think Michigan also has like... Um, and I'm, I'm just more aware of it just because I'm from the Midwest, but Michigan also has a law that is like 100 years old that makes abortion a felony, um, even though they've had other laws to protect it. Um, but yeah, I think it's like eight states automatically abortion is illegal. 13. Um, it's 13 automatically. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a whole set that it might be. Because I know Wisconsin is one that's like not for sure yet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's 13 and like 26 that are kind of like these process stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I was going to say, I do know like folks have been making, been able to get abortion under the deadline in some of these trigger states right now. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that were scheduled to have abortions, but because of these trigger laws are now unable to have those procedures. Yeah. Um, so, so let's yeah. define trigger laws. So trigger laws are designed to be triggered once role is overturned and they take effect automatically or there's a quick state action that um, role no longer when role no longer applies um, that go into effect immediately when it no longer applies. So now that we have overturned it, like these trigger laws have literally been triggered. And so states like Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming all have these type of laws that are triggered when it was overturned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's only a couple and, states and, that don't have them, potentially. Right. And, and some of these um, 26 states have multiple types of bans in place, including nine states with pre-roll bans still on the books, 11 states with early gestational age bans blocked by court orders. In states with multiple bans, state officials will determine which bans to enforce if Roe is overturned. Now, well, um, that was something that was really interesting to me because it's not um, there. There's other bans in place just in case other um, 
other things are overturned. You know what I mean? And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even know this. And so I think it's so important to know. It's so important to know your, um, your rights, your rights and um, what can happen in your state or, or if things go, go sour, like they are right now. So let's talk about Texas. So in Texas, what happens once Roe is over 30 days after Roe is overturned um, without any kind of further action required, the penalty is anyone who provides or attempts to provide an abortion will be charged with first or second degree felony and will be subject to a civil penalty of at least 100K for each violation. The only exception is a pregnant person whose life is in danger or serious risk of substantial and irreversible um, impairment of bodily functions. I'm in Washington State. I'm on the West Coast. So the whole West Coast is pretty is, much protected. Is protected. It's basically the West Coast, New York. Basically, it's the West Coast, New York, Illinois, Minnesota, and maybe like Colorado or something. I think, and there might be a couple other states, but I think, but definitely like the West Coast, New York, Illinois, Minnesota, for sure. And then everywhere else, I am not sure. But I think there are a couple other states that are like, for sure, not impacted, point blank, period. Um, and I know Illinois, New York, and all these West Coast states are like, you know, if you need an abortion, come on through. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think it's going to be that same combination of states for all of those things, like if they overturn warrants and sodomy becomes illegal again, it's definitely going to become illegal again in Texas, I'm assuming, because it's Lawrence versus Texas. And then uh, if, uh, you know, the right to access contraception is overturned, if marriage is overturned, it's going to be going back to to what it was when I was in my 20s. But y'all, those, those are the, the things that we know now, right? Those are those are those are what people are talking about. Um, that could happen at, um, because of, of this, right? That's what we've heard from them. But what else is at stake? If they're able, it, it's, and, and for instance, if they are able to overturn those of um, the um, the laws that we are talking about just now that are potential, um, what else is at stake? Do you guys think after that? What do you think that they will go to next? Mm. Definitely the gay stuff. No, I'm saying no. I'm saying no. Okay, so what I'm saying is, if they're able to overturn the the gay stuff and the contraception, oh, what they so said. If they're able that. to do that, then what's next? What do you think is next? Loving versus Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I think that's next. anything that deals um, with race. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, anything that deals with now that this is if if you if we're just imagining what could happen, it's gonna be. Now we have overturned the woman stuff. Yes. It's going to be the gay stuff. And then it's going to be the race stuff. If we keep going back to how how time has, <laughs> as time has, yeah. that's what it is. It's going to be the woman, the gay, then, then the race. That's period. And I don't know if they're going to try to find a way to go after access to HRT. I think that could potentially be on the table. I don't know the oh, legal approach in theory. I don't know, you know, how they would approach that from like a legal, but also like precedent clearly doesn't matter for them, right? Because on Friday or one Thursday, they said, oh, the states, you don't have any rights. You can, we were telling you like, you can't control guns in your country. 
conceal, I mean, your state, conceal and carry in New York state. And the next day they said, oh no, all the states have all the rights to determine what you can do with your, with your, with your body and what you can carry like a human. So you have to carry a human on Thursday because the state has the right to tell you that. But on, th on, on Friday, but on Thursday, you say the state don't have a right to say you can't carry a fucking gun. So if they were following their logic of Thursday, they wouldn't have had the decision on Friday. So they're not even following the traditional approach to the law, even when you're trying to be on bullshit and still use precedent. They like, fuck all that. And even this Dobbs case didn't say ban row. It was like up until a certain amount of weeks. They said, oh, fuck that. No, nah, we're going to just ban so yeah, I agree with you. They're just gonna do they're doing whatever they want to do right now. And it's not even in the typical way that the court even fucking approaches these decisions. They just mm. rope, they rope. Yeah. That's fucked. I'm a, I'm gonna go on a limb and say because I really strong I strongly feel this way. because I, I just I I have so much hope. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to go that far. I think that we're going to end up being, uh, I think we're going to end up able, being able to um, get that right back for some reason. I'm mm -hmm. trying to stay positive. I, I think that, I think that we're going to, I think we're going to fight all we can in order to get it overturned and we're going to be in a good place. That That's what I want to happen. I agree with you, Leah, though. I think it might. I think there. I think there's a way to. Well, I mean, right now, Congress could just be pass a fucking law to codify Roe and say, actually, abortion is illegal everywhere. If Congress passes a law, because the the Supreme Court is a co-equal branch of government, co-equal. So they do their thing over here, but if the U.S. Congress said we're going to pass a law, a law, a law, pass a law. <laughs> That, that says abortion is legal everywhere, they could do that. And then it would cancel that out, period. That's, you know what I'm saying? So like, please vote, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like, really, I that's mean, what it basically yeah. down to. All this shit can be avoided if we have people get out and vote. Like we, yeah. you gotta, you, and, and we are on the right side of history and we have the numbers to do it. If, uh, if the coalition of all these, of the black folks, the LGBT folks, <laughs> The, yeah. um, the immigrant folks, if the coalition of them actually come together and and actually boister our our own side. And I'm not talking about reaching across the aisle. Fuck the motherfuckers. Actually get young people out to vote in the same way that whatever strategy that Obama had that got everybody out to a vote. We need to implement that. Whatever's happening with over there in motherfucking Stacey Abrams camp, whatever they are doing to get people out to vote, everybody needs to be doing that. Because the only way we can get these states to not now that they have put it in this, because that's what happened. They have put it in the hands of the state. If we can get the Republican leadership out of these states that, that we don't control, yo, we can actually overturn the shit. Well, that was my my topic. Hopefully I gave you guys some food for thought. Maybe you want to do a little research. I know that I am because. That had kind of gagged me, so now I'm thinking, like, girl, what you know, what is life going to be like if they if they're able if they're ever able to um to to turn back the hands of time? Hashtag Marsh's plate and tell us what you think about the uh, trigger bans, and if you have any ideas of what you would do if a certain trigger ban was triggered in your state, and mm. um, go from there. So, 
to get off the subject of abortion and get on to entertainment, I want to talk about this sex scene in P Valley. <laughs> so ah. P Valley is the new hit series by Pat Ian Patrick Polk. Is that his name? Or Patrick Ian Polk? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say? I can't remember. Yeah, um, Patrick Ian Polk. Yeah, he is, um, you know, he's the one who brought us the uh, Noah's Ark. He, he's just a great, you know, queer icon when it comes in entertainment. And so he has the new season has come out. And so in this past episode, there was a sex scene between Little Murder and one of his old friends. I do not want to um, um, ruin spoilers or anything. So I'm not talking about what happened in the show. I'm just talking about the response to there being a sex scene in the show. And so everybody is going in. I'm hearing people saying that they like it. And then I'm hearing people say all these weird ass homophobic things like threatening to stop watching the show if they if they keep showing these gay sex scenes. (laughs) And I thought that that was the dumbest shit ever. Um, because if you have been watching Pete Valley from season one, you saw some gay sex scenes because him and um, uh, both of Little Murder and um, what's the main character named Clifter, Uncle Clifford, Uncle Clifford was having sex. Okay. <laughs> Uncle Clifford was having sex, honey. And so if you was homophobic, there ain't first of all uncle clicker uncle clifford is the main character if you are homophobic you would not be watching this show (laughs) you would not be if anybody who is like oh i don't want to see no gay shit they would be watching it but at this point right that part (laughs) why are you watching it that part this is a very queer ass show all around and i thought it was interesting that little murders and little murder sex scene is the scene that making people kind of go in because there was also a lesbian sex scene that nobody is talking about. And so we know why that is. We know why that is, but I think it's quite interesting. So I wanted to talk about, um, you know, the history of, you know, these type of things happening in, um, in film and so and some of the responses that i have seen it that i have seen um now we if you want to go far 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 back one of the very first like homosexual scenes in film was uh marla dietrich um Mm -hmm. and she had a lesbian kiss when we think about like in the past there were of course these haze codes that said look these films cannot have none of this freaky stuff going on. It can It has to be up up to the moral standard, which is always so fucking weird. Because morals are determined by who De- in American Christians, and you know them motherfuckers is weird. <laughs> so, uh, and so, uh, when you when you kind of put into this moral code, you know you're gonna get the, whatever the morals of the day is. And prior to 1960, honey. Morally, you wouldn't even supposed to be having sex with black people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you weren't supposed to be having homosexual sex. Okay. You weren't supposed right. to be there's a lot of them. You weren't supposed to be having sex and not that, that that did not equal having a baby. I don't think people understand that morally having sex for pleasure is not right. 
You are not supposed to have sex for just pleasure. Sex is for procreation and not just like home. It wasn't. I know it was pointed towards homosexuals, but straight people. I want you to understand that Christian said having sex for pleasure was not okay. That wasn't cool. You was only supposed to have sex for procreation. It was a taboo for you to just be fucking. That wasn't the right. That wasn't okay. And so morally to see anybody have sex on film, even if it's straight sex that didn't have anything to do with procreating was bad. That's why they had to have if it was a even if it was a married couple on TV shows, they had to have two separate beds. Right. Right. Yep. Or like yep. if you look at old shows like Leave It to Beaver or old kind of black and white shows from the 50s and the 60s, you would see that it was two different beds. Like you, they can, you cannot mm-hmm. have sex. There would be, and they would do slick little shit when it comes to filming, where even though we're not showing you sex, we'll the we'll cut to the scene where they're just sitting there smoking a cigarette. Ooh, we we must have just got doing done yeah. doing something because yeah. we're doing the cigarette thing. These laws that they made were based on the moral compass of what was happening in the world. And of course, when shit starts to shift in the world, these moral codes are going to start shifting, too. And so that was what led the film industry to create the the, um, Hayes Clause and debunk them. And they turned it into the rating system that we have nowadays, the um, PG-13, the R rating, the X rating, da-da-da-da-da. But there was these whole... Hayes laws that were happening with the film. And so now we come to nowadays, all of the sex shit, heterosexual sex shit that I have seen, nothing about it made me not like me. <laughs> there is nothing about it that made me, um, when I was a little kid, that made me um, want to be straight. There, there was nothing about it that made me. Um, want to like vagina more there was nothing about it that said oh my god titties are amazing even though titties are amazing but it's yeah. nothing that that <laughs> it, it was nothing that i saw that yeah. was in the heterosexual realm of sex that made me say oh my god i want right. to have heterosexual sex I, there was nothing <laughs> right, right right that part <laughs> and so i can't imagine I just, if you gay, you gay, if you straight. And it's not saying that there can be no fluidity. Yes. But that's not, I don't think that that's the norm. I think Mm -hmm. most people are set in there. And, you know, this is just my, my own opinion. This is not based on no theory. But I I think that most people are set in their ways when it comes to what they like. There, there may be slight shifts that happens over time in their life, blah, 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 blah. Right. But I think that there's a bottom bottom line to it or whatever. And I don't think seeing something necessarily is going to change the whole trajectory of their sexuality. Right. I don't think <laughs> it might pique some curiosity. It might, uh-huh. you know, because uh-huh. I've had experience where I saw something and it piqued my curiosity, but it just, it didn't totally shift my whole, right. <laughs> it, 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 it didn't totally shift anything that I saw. And right. so let me read some of the responses to the scene so y'all can um, tell me y'all opinions about it. So Chalada Text on Twitter says, it was really tender. We rarely get to see masculine men be tender. Little Murder being the only person who can claim this guy 
it was and that has only been down with this guy it was really really beautiful but also scary i love how they emphasize safe sex and then another person says the scene was hot and intense being both masculine men it's crazy mm. though people don't like those scenes but but i thought this was a, these two people bringing up masculine men i thought that that was wrong like it was something now and i may be i may be off but i thought that that was wrong because i always growing up saw masculine gay men it was never feminine ones when it comes to movies i didn't really see feminine one having sex the feminine ones were like little pets little puppies little accessories little sidekicks that was you know kind of flouncing around hey girl <laughs> but in an actual sex scene between gay men it was regular straight men i not not, not straight men i'm sorry that was not the language it was regular masculine looking men it, i didn't see any flamboyant femininely men having sex on screen it was normally two masculine dudes yeah i think yeah i think yeah i think the first time that i have ever seen an extremely feminine gay male have sex, sex on screen right? that part. for me was um uncle clifford shit. really yes. yes who could name me a character on a film that was a feminine like flamboyantly uh -huh. feminine person having sex yeah, oh, I mean, oh, HB, oh, oh, wow, oh, HBO, um, oh, the, I think it was called Queer, Queer as Folk, Queer as Folk on there. I did, oh, yeah, yeah, Queer as Folk, a feminine, flamboyant, feminine person. Mm -hmm. How many no. were, how many were masculine? Oh, I can't give you the details, Diamond Girl. You all long ago, that I, re I remember, I remember, I think most of them, but was it more than one? There was like one character that was like way more flamboyant than all of the group in it. And then there was, uh, yeah, because Ted and uh, the main character, uh, they were regular Mike, masculine. They, they were, yeah, they were kind of somewhere quote unquote in between. But then you had the more hyper masculine, extra masculine person on the end. For me, I think thinking back, really is Noah's art probably. It was probably the mm -hmm. first time. Because you're right, like outside of that, you know, because this, I mean, we're coming up, we came up at the same time. So it's like a lot of stuff that you did see, it was like, you know, we're just trying to show gay people are regular. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. they wanted to show that they're regular dudes. So it would be two masculine people. It never was I, I can right. see why it, it, um Patrick Ian Polk is yes, his creations is gonna show it because he's a black I queer mean, man. You right. can't do it without without the feminine game game into me experience. But any other time when I would see gay dudes in the in the nineties on film that was in dating each other, they would be just regular performing masculine, regular gay men. They were not films to me. Do you think too though, because of the era, that era, a lot of especially like the eighties, early nineties, you know, you had a lot like Blanche's brother. Remember Blanche's brother on uh, uh -huh. Golden Girls? He was gay. Mm hmm And uh I think on Rock, you remember Rock? I think he had a uh his uncle was gay or something like that. Uh-huh. But a lot of them I remember, but I do remember a lot Eleanor. of times where people were talking about, oh, back when I was in the war and World War Two. Mm -hmm. You remember that remember that coming up a lot for like gay stuff? And it was like a lot of guys were like, Yeah, we were on the ship, we were in the middle of the 
ocean and sailors. Yeah, yeah, the Navy, the Navy yeah. stereotype of them being gay. There was a masculine thing, acting thing that was fucking normal. Like I yeah. feel like masculine yeah. gay men always get. I always get the fucking um shine. I don't think feminine mm-hmm. ones they mm-hmm. feminine ones get the shine as the accessory, as right. the cisgender girl's best friend, exactly. as exactly. the, the, the makeup artist, the, the hairdresser. Yes, they get the shine in that, but I'm talking about physical sex scenes. I just have not seen it in regular mainstream stuff. I just I just haven't seen it. I've seen masculine gay men depicted, even how to get away with murder. Both of them boys were, they are typically masculine gay men. I, yeah. I just, I see that look. Whatever you like, I mean, do y'all watch How to Get Away with Murder? I didn't really watch it. It's, it's ended, right? It's that, yeah, it's, it's ended. But there what, was, there, but one of the two students, one of the, her students was a gay boy and his, his boyfriend. They were regular, regular white dudes like you know they just so happen to be gay yeah. none of them were yes that's it right there diamond that's it right there right because it was like always characters that like just so happen to be gay yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah still yeah, performing yeah. masculinity how masculinity is performed it is no but i have never seen anybody pushing the envelope mm-hmm. of you know butch queen up in drags type of gay man who might have some heels on who might wear makeup who might those kind of feminine gay boys that we know are in the culture i never have seen them on screen having a, a go round with their trade i haven't seen that i just yeah haven't. yeah i think Noah's honestly yeah Noah's arc is like really the probably the only one i can think of that you know yeah and like a legit way but even because is and even in that show, wasn't it just one character like that? Well, you had you had Noah, and then you also had uh, what's the face? Noah feminine. Like, yeah, Noah used to wear heels and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, okay. sometimes, but they weren't always as much as uh uh uh, uh what's his name? My guy, uh, what's the character's name? Who dated the light skinned dude? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, Pose. Oh yeah. Oh, who was the feminine? Um, who was the feminine? Even on Pose, you got that one pray tell scene in in the last shit. Oh, Alex, 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 Alex. That's yeah. That once in the last season when pray tell was hooking up with Ricky, um, and then but prior to that it was Damon and and Ricky and these that they were typical. You know, just regular gay boys. They weren't to me. They weren't feminine in the sense of how Uncle Clifford was, or you know, no. in that sense. I always no. feel like I just. My point is that it feels like they always show the masculine stuff. I don't feel mm-hmm. like the feminine stuff in sexuality. Yes, the feminine stuff becomes the the character, the the you know character mm-hmm. of gayness. But in sexuality, I don't see the feminine aspect of. I don't remember. I just I just don't remember a scene where there was a flamboyantly gay boy having sex. I just don't see it. So that's why the yeah. Uncle Clifford scene was quite fun, quite interesting to me. But even in the pole scene, because they were, um, it still was different than the Uncle Clifford scene because. It's yeah, because so- Uncle Clifford is like, he's super cunt. Praetel's cunt, but he was kind of like both. Like you could see him blending in. Like he got up and dragged when he was at the ball, but like in his regular life, he wasn't cunt like that. Like Clifford is cunt in his regular life. 
Yes. And when they took off them clothes, it still was just the two gay boys having sex. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I just hasn't seen it. So this, I, it was weird when somebody has said that seeing masculine men in this way, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I just, I just don't. I always see the masculine version of sex, gay sex being seen more than the like femme gay version. Uh, not femme gay, but feminine version. Yeah, yeah. It's like masculine, masculine, and then like you could be read as gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's like what you talking about. Yeah, you, you I know. just haven't seen that. What like when was the first like queer gay sex scene do y'all remember that was impactful to y'all in your life? Um, because uh, in mm. in these in some of these responses, people were asking, "What did they think about the scene?" And somebody, this girl said, "I skipped it. I really didn't need to see that shit." Um, and then okay. somebody else was like, um, "You know, just saying negative stuff." Oh, I'm gonna stop watching this if y'all keep showing this game, gay sex, all this kind of stuff. And so, so I just thought it was interesting that people are are playing that kind of role <laughs> and playing that it like that. I'm like. Yeah. When y'all now maybe I, I'm trying to think of like wasn't there like gay sex scenes in fucking gay masculine gay sex scenes in Oz? Yeah, oh yeah, and the yeah. Wire. All oh, that shit was masculine, and it was and there's like a dominance. There's always this dominant thing that is happening, and I don't know. It just doesn't feel soft and cunt as uh, it does. I just haven't seen that. So anyway, I wanted to know what kind of queer gay scenes really was impactful to y'all on TV and film in your life. That's what I wanted to know. And that makes sense. I I, I think like my answer would have been um, queer as folk because I've seen it uh, when I was really young. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be looking at it. But um, yeah, I, I think it was queer as folk. And I think the reason why, um, like, especially the Black community, is so cringy about masculine on masculine um, interaction is because they can see they they have this. Well, of course, they have this extreme issue with DL guys, and that's basically what they both are. Mm. Mm. I think I think probably like Color Purple and Women of Brewster Place, even though it wasn't like sex, 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 but it was like the first Color time. Uh uh-uh, uh, I want explicit sex, explicit sex. not just kissing, because everybody, I, well, I don't say everybody, but yeah, Color Purple is an important one with the sugar and um, every. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Kissing. I was like, I was like, okay. But I'm talking about explicit <laughs> fucking sex, neck, humping. Fuck. Um, uh, explicit sex. Um, not, never- not porn, not pornography, but like <laughs> an actual sex scene where yeah. you see them, their bodies engaging with each other, just like heterosexual people we yeah. see having sex. Yeah. A, a queer sex scene on a show Stop. or a film. What was it? Okay. Which it would one? be. What'd you say, Mia? No, no, no! I said you're, 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 you're explaining softcore versus hardcore scenes. Yeah, not, not even. However, you they can do it on public TV. Not, yeah, like, not dick in the pussy, <laughs> not or in the booty hole, oh not actual porn, but a scene like on a show that you. Okay, I got, I got a couple. So like, there's a so there were the the nineties, you know, the 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 queer cinema, whatever the nineties. So. I remember being able to watch some of the gay movies as they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, Go Fish. 
there was explicit sex in there. Watermelon Woman by Cheryl Dunye, the first black lesbian to have like a feature film. A lot of sex scenes in there. Uh, there's a, ooh, uh, Desert Hearts. There's a very explicit, very, it kind of sounds like the way people are talking about this sex scene is the way that people talk. Uh, I've heard people talk about the Desert Hearts sex scene in terms of it just being like, not the negative part, but like it being tender and seeming kind of real and like this verse. Um, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's a thing. Um, but those are some of the explicit, explicit, early explicit, like lesbianish uh, sex scenes that I remember seeing and being like, oh, that's a thing. Um, definitely later, uh, probably as an adult, I'm thinking with the L word, but as a kid, yeah, I mean, as a maybe like a teenager or so, um, I think Bravo had just came out as a network and they would show movies for Pride Month. And that was one of the way they was getting people in to watch uh, Bravo TV. And so every June we had cable, I would tape all these movies on the low <laughs> and then watch them yeah. later. So Go Fish, Watermelon Woman, um, The Desert Hearts, and uh what am i thinking of but yeah those are those are some of the main ones uh early on that were like explicitly like queer and mm -hmm. more than just a kiss in a in a like they having sex you know right. like you said like well because because if it ain't like they really 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 going in then i would yeah. say color purple when the brewster place but yeah. like actual sex sex like y'all are fucking yes i would say goldfish watermelon woman and um yeah, yeah, those are some of the uh, uh, better than chocolate, you mm. know, was another one. Um, and most of these are white women, but they were there. That, that's the shit that was there. You know what I'm saying? That's, what it, yeah. that's, that's why Watermelon Woman was a big deal because, you know, everything else was mostly white. So, right. Um, oh. but yeah. What about you, Mia? Uh, now, y'all, I wasn't supposed to be doing this shit. I was young. <laughs> I, it, it was back when you know your parents could put the parent control on your on the um on the t on the cable and stuff. I used to figure mm. it out late at night and watch Real Sex. They had they had explicit viewings of it. Um, Cinemax oh, yeah. had like the soft core like Skinemax. Like <laughs> yeah, Cinemax had like the soft core kind of like. Um, sometimes you would see the men, sometimes you, a lot of times you would see the women because, you know, women are more exploited. It seemed to me like the women were more exploited than the, the men and, um, the, uh, software, um, like little shows that came on HBO and queers. Well, those were the, the, um, the things I seen when I was younger. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any black, like specific black ones. Mm. But I, I can't think of any. Most of them were white. Mm. And and as of now, I see a lot of black ones. And that's so beautiful to see because we didn't, I guess we didn't, I don't know why I didn't see. I, that's a good question. I wonder why I didn't see a lot of um, black sex scenes back then versus how much I seen a white. But I guess it does have a lot to do with access. And um, yeah, I don't know. So for me, the it always revolved around some fucking creepy, rapey shit. I told y'all about. Really? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, the scenes were always fucking a uh, rapey shit. Like, uh -huh. 
Pulp yeah. Fiction. Oh. Mm. Pulp, Pulp Fiction mm. in mm. 1994. They had, and I don't want to say it's a, I don't know, it was some gay shit, but it, it, it wasn't love making. It wasn't consensual. They had that scene in Pulp Fiction where that creepy white boy was raping um, Ving Rhames' character. And oh, wow. y'all might not have, uh, have y'all ever seen Pulp Fiction? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, I have. So y'all remember at the end of the movie, they walk in and he's raping Ving Rhames. He got him tied yeah, up um, with a gaff in his mouth. And so yep. it seems they're always like that, where in the, where it's always like either some fucking deviant sex gay shit. It was yeah. always like that. It was never love making and tenderness and kissing and showing some real stuff. And like you just said, Mia, usually when I got the consensual sex stuff, it was like real sex for on HBO. Mm-hmm. I, I literally mm-hmm. the first time I ever seen consensual gay sex being had where people were having fun and enjoying it and having a great time was real sex. Like literally real sex was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I never really saw um, in the films gay sex depicted in a way that was consensual, in a way right. that didn't have rape o- overtones or undertones or whatever it was too much i it, i never saw it, it depicted so honestly if i'm going to be real impactfully like gay scenes impactfully i haven't seen any any ones that are powerful as this one as um as um p valley as p valley like literally seeing these dudes these black dudes really making love to each other and it being tender and not right. have anything to do with deviance. It's consensual and right. just them just making love. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, we, I, I wish that a scene was like this would have been in Moonlight, but Moonlight, I don't think it would have, I think it would have ruined it. I don't know. A Moonlight, mm-hmm. there was, I felt Moonlight because there was a tenderness because they were dealing with high schoolers. And you know what I'm saying? There was a tenderness that needed to be there. And Mm -hmm. I I related to it. It didn't need to have a sex scene. But I think for the first time, this is this is the first time that I actually seen it with my eyes where it just felt like, oh, they are having uh, um, because I didn't watch Noah's Ark. So I don't know Mm -hmm. what happened in Noah's Ark when it comes to that. But for me, this was the first time that um, that I saw it be tender and not be rapey. Really, I got a question, uh, Diamond, um, uh-huh. specifically, um, and and it's no shade to you, um, LJ. Well, actually, you know what? You could probably answer this too. Oh. Do y'all feel like that um, translated into real life when y'all dealt with like men who were uh, having sex with you? Um, oh, no, I can't speak to that, sir. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I feel like, from my experience, I feel like some men who interacted with me sexually thought that it was supposed to be like that. Like, it was supposed to be rough and and just straight to the point. And I've heard just, that <laughs> from people. Do you think, do you feel that way, Diamond? Hmm. So let me say this as a sex worker, uh, ex sex worker. Um, 
I think that me, me, you, Mia, you, you're a sex worker. Mm-hmm. We have a vantage point of men's sexuality that a lot of people don't. And from that vantage point, and I don't think it's just us, but I think as sex workers, we get an inside peek of the homoerotic side of their sexuality Mm -hmm. um, from the straight ones, from the gay ones, from da, 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 da. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is a, that is a byproduct of them being so fucking um, policed when it comes to their sexuality of what they can do in the bedroom, what they can't do in the bedroom, blah, 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 how they're supposed to be performed, how they're supposed to perform in the bedroom. They have to act a certain way with particularly straight men, the one that are straight and, you know, um, living a whole different life when it comes to DL shit. Um, I think that because they are not allowed to be free and let me not just say straight men, because I think this is anybody. Because men are so policed in regards to their sexuality, I think in the realm of sex is where you see them being free. Yes. And because of how they're rendered <laughs> in conditioning, mm-hmm. that power and submissive dominance dynamic is always going to be present because they don't know any better. They don't know anything outside of outside of that because they that's just what they know. <laughs> like, oh, if I if I'm in this situation, at least I, I at least I need to be the dominant one. Or since I always have to be the dominant one, let me be the submissive. Finally, I can get pounded. <laughs> it's always right. this dynamic of dominance and submissive in the situation, and I think that's why we hear. If, if, I think that also translates in the in the relationship status of cisgender women and cisgender men. They always like, oh, I need to lead. I need to be the dominant one. You need to submit. You need to submit. That that dominant and submissive dynamic is really, really ingrained in them. And I think it translates. The gender roles. In general to all of us, wherever, however, wherever we meet them, especially in sexuality, because as a trans woman who, who has my penis, there are going to be men who come to me who, who says, I fuck with you because when I'm in relationships with cis women, I got to act this way. But with you, I, you can treat me like a bitch. <laughs> you can, you, I can just be free and be a bitch and, and, and don't have to worry about none of that. And then I have some that will come and say, oh, I get to do all my freaky stuff with you. And dominate you because i can do all the gay sex stuff with you because ooh, you really look like a girl but i can still be the dominant masculine one and but i don't have to do all the fake stuff wine and dine you and be tender to you because you're not really a real woman <laughs> do you see what i'm saying and yeah, so they'll, have, they'll, they'll have they'll have and i know you have experienced we've talked about it before but those things they don't have to, whatever the cultural things that they have to do, they don't have to. So sometimes that's going to translate into them being extra, extra dominant. And sometimes it's going to be translate into them being extra, extra submissive. And so literally it's very rare that I come across the man who has just a tenderness around his sexuality. That's, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with, um, 
um, dominance and submission. It's very rare that I don't that I meet men that don't have that kind of dynamic in them. Very interesting. Thank you, Diamond, for that. All right, just one more movie popped up. <laughs> Bound, 1996, by the uh, Wachowski sisters. That actually was the first time where I was like, "Oh, they having sex, sex like it, like it's called what?" Bound, Bound. by the by, by the uh, Wachowski sisters. This was their first major film before the Matrix. Oh, it's good as fuck, and it's not made like the other like gay movies. I was like, "This is a movie. They are having sex." <laughs> <laughs> But now I get it because they later with the Matrix people and all that stuff. Right. So let us know when was your first sex scene, your queer black sex scene that you saw on TV or on film. Tell us yours. Hashtag Marsha's Place. (laughs) Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria. More than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria. More than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme you a feeling and a high. What has been bringing y'all euphoria? This, this week, I was able to um, accept the award on behalf of Marsha's Play. And that that was a beautiful experience. Christina and Javon uh, were able to um, throw a very beautiful prize celebration, a trans prize celebration at a mansion in Mo City. It was so beautiful. Um, I was just, I was so captivated in everything that I didn't even take pictures. I didn't take any videos. I was just like really living in the moment. And I've tried to be intentional about that. Because I feel like sometimes you miss out on things when you're just trying to make content. So I did want to show you guys the award that we did get. And this is it. It has Monica Roberts on it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, 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 I love Monica Roberts. Just the fact that she's right here is just amazing. Um, and uh, that brought me euphoria that a lot of the girls were there. Um, they had, um, they had a lot of trans women that were performing drag. Um, people were having, people were drinking, people were having fun. They had good food. They, it was, it was a ball. And just to see like, like older trans people and get to talk to them about like their history and what they, what they had to go through in order to get to where they are right now. Like I'll talk to like, um, black trans women and trans men that were like 50 years old. And just, I, I always love talking to my elders and getting advice. And, and it, it's even more special when it's from a, a black trans person like myself. So, um, that was my euphoria for the, for the week. Um, my, my euphoria is uh, for this week, uh, some friends came through town, uh, some old friends from home, queer couple, they have one of their children is trans, and it was just good to be around like family, um, essentially, because they're chosen family folks, um, and their daughter is going to like trans girls camp, you know, just for trans kids who are, you know, in middle school, and then they're going, she's going to another camp for trans kids, you know, so it's just really, uh, cool to uh spend that time with them and their, and their children I haven't seen them in years but then they invited me to go out to the middle of nowhere off an island out here uh in washington state near vancouver canada 
but still in the U.S. technically. And uh, I had never done that. First time on a ferry, rode a ferry, got to just be in the woods and, you know, just kind of take in, take in the space with some queer fam, queer and trans fam. So that's my euphoria for this week. It got me out the city, got me on a ferry, got me into the woods and, you know, and to be with the kids and, you know, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a kid. I'm a preteen, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it was just beautiful. And obviously hearing about, you know, having those opportunities as a child to go to a camp for other trans kids or a camp for other trans kids, your age, just, you know, your age and stuff like that. And it just, uh, it just really warmed my heart. So that brought me a lot of euphoria this week. At first I thought it was just seeing them earlier in the week, but even being able to spend some time with them in the woods, you know, that definitely, um, that brought me a lot of euphoria. Oh, so, uh, all those things sounds good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, the the mansion, the, the them honoring us and giving us award. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Javon and Christina. That was amazing. And outdoors and shit is my favorite shit. I don't like sports, but I love outdoors and shit. That shit <laughs> yeah. makes me feel good. <laughs> Anything that deal with nature, camping, hiking, fishing, that shit is my shit. Um, so I love it. I know that's that's definitely would be euphoric to me. This week for me. Um, of course, I, I, we talked about earlier, I went to uh, Pride for, in New York. So Saturday, you know, Pride was on Sunday and our the event that I got hired to do was on Friday. So Saturday was a little free. So I had oh, okay. a, couple of, a couple of plans that I wanted to do. So first of all, I wanted to visit this hat shop called Essential. I'll, I'll talk about it another time. But I also had like this date that was plan with this guy that I met and I was like I ain't been on a date in a minute right. I was like okay well I'm gonna go on a date and I said oh I ain't got nothing to do I ain't gonna do no gay shit I'm gonna do honey I'm gonna see the trade I don't care what Beyonce <laughs> is telling y'all about releasing the trade no <laughs> so I'm gonna spend my little off day while I'm out here in New York having in the comfort of a man okay. <laughs> like Stephanie Neal say <laughs> fuck a Beyonce <laughs> so I had planned to go on this date and so I had planned it at 7 o'clock like yo I was like cool so I was out doing my little shopping thing da, da, da. so now I'm getting my little Uber to take me back to my hotel so I can get all freshened up smelling good emphasis <laughs> ah. smelling good and getting ready for my little date so we driving the Uber back to the hotel and the man, the police is blocking off all the streets. So I'm like, why are y'all, the party isn't until tomorrow. Why the fuck are y'all blocking off all the streets? And the, and the, you know, New York police got attitudes like hell. So you can't even really talk to them like humans because they are assholes. Just like, I feel like it's in their training to be assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so you get what I'm saying? You can't even talk to them. Like you got to just get out of my face. <laughs> I ain't talking to you. So we told our Uber dude to just drop us off as close as he can get us. So we have to walk like three blocks to get to our hotel. So we walk in the little two blocks and on the third block, right, be like, right before we get to the hotel, all of a sudden, all these dykes. Oh, it was dyke march. Dykes on bikes. So walking down the street. And this is the 30th annual dyke march. Now, I thought, because I'm not a dyke, so I'm not up on the culture of what's going on with the dykes. So I didn't yeah. know it was going to be on March on Saturday. <laughs> but I thought this was, 
I thought this was going to be some, this was on some Roe versus Wade shit. So I was like, oh, yeah. yes, wear it out. But I'm like, nah, this is too gay. <laughs> I'm like, I would think that if it was the Roe versus Wade shit, I'm going to see some straight people too. But this was like dykes, like <laughs> nothing but the gays. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. what is happening? But I'm seeing this big crowd of women march down the street everybody it just it was black folks it was white folks it was drummers it was it was fucking beautiful so much so that it just filled me up with emotion and i started crying it just was it was so it because everybody that i saw was young too not everybody was young but it was a lot of young people and in my mind i was like Oh, the kids is gonna be all right. <laughs> no matter what's happened, the time is gonna go on. It's going yeah. to continue to be us out here. We gonna continue to be do our thing. We we literally have been passed the torch, and it's about to be passed to somebody else. And you know, just a continuous thing. And seeing the big old crowd, and just seeing them march, and you could see bodies going this way, and bodies coming, coming, and going down the street where it's just shutting the motherfucker down. They had like a drum line. It was fucking beautiful. So shout out to the Dyke March because and it was their 30th anniversary this year. And they, they are one of the first, the only groups that like march without them fucking permits, without doing you get what I'm saying. They started this because it got extra fucking white and, and not political enough. Like it felt like everybody, all they were seeing was um you like white gay men controlling the gay stuff like when it comes right. to pride and we da, 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 da. and the dice was like we about to do our own motherfucking thing and we're not about to wear out <laughs> it's kind of like mm-hmm. a protest march it's no longer in, in 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 the structure of you know gay ink being white and gay male and so they created this march and this is their 30th anniversary so i wanted that brought me euphoria i was crying i put some video on my um on my instagram and it just was really emotional. I really like seeing them marching, and that was my euphoria. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, y'all, tell us what's bringing y'all euphoria, and we will see y'all next week. <laughs> all right, y'all. All right, peace. Bye. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's going to be all right.